welcome to the Milk Bottle e-commerce show, brought to you by Milk Bottle Labs, Ireland's top-rated and officially accredited Shopify and Clavio e-commerce experts. Founder Keith Matthews interviews e-commerce professionals, app developers and entrepreneurs to share as much digital knowledge and e-commerce tips and tricks as possible. This podcast is kindly supported by our go-to e-commerce tools. Rewind.io, the leading backup solution for Shopify, BigCommerce, Trello and more. Let's just say it's the cheapest insurance policy you'll ever get for your Shopify store and all your valuable data. Simply go to rewind.io forward slash milk bottle to get your first month for free our go-to shopify application to supercharge in-store pickup and local delivery on your shopify store is zapiet it's fully customizable and scalable from one location to thousands backed by outstanding customer support it's no wonder zapiet is trusted by over 10,000 plus stores across 150 countries now over to your host keith matthews Hey folks, welcome back. My guest today is Dublin-based Alan Gormley. Alan is the co-founder of Shopbox AI, an AI personalization tool for your e-commerce store. Alan founded Shopbox to give every retailer a fair chance to compete in the market. And his mission is to help retailers grow their business by exploiting AI with minimum effort. Alan, welcome. Thanks very much, Keith. Great to be here. It is especially nice to have a SaaS business owner from Dublin, in Dublin, face-to-face. Um, I recently had Ronan Murphy from Cloda. Oh, yeah. Yeah, .io, which is a WhatsApp sales kind of conversational yeah, commerce Yeah, yeah, we know Cloda. Yeah, 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 very good. So great to have you. Lovely yeah. to be here. Thanks yeah. very much for inviting us. Great. The last time we met, it was up in Belfast at the, the Ecom gig. It was indeed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nearly time for that again. That was the first face-to-face event that I was at in a long, long time. It was the first one. And we actually started Shopbox about a week before the first lockdown. Did you? So that was really the first face-to-face we so had. So give us the date then. So that would have been so February, I, March. Uh, first, Well, we officially started in June 2020. I went full-time on the 1st of March. And then uh, I think we were planning to go away Paddy's Day. And then suddenly we weren't. <laughs> we were locked down, yeah. 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 Did you have staff at that stage or were you just getting your T's crossed and your yeah, eyes dotted? Yeah, so no, we had our first... So it was myself and my co-founder Tarek at that stage. Uh, or we didn't bring in the first staff member till December, I think it was that year, 2020. But we did have a pilot lined up. So we had we had a prototype. It was working well. We could show that and we were kind of ready to go live. COVID set us back probably about three months in in getting that live because, you know, nobody had a clue what was going on in the world. They were just trying to figure out how to go from being a bricks and clicks retailer into a clicks and nothing else retailer. But uh, yeah, so we still managed to get somebody live. I think it was May 2020 was the, the first site went live. Did you think about giving up at that point? No? Well... I just came out of the travel industry, so you know, in ah, some way, in okay. some ways, I kind of jumped out of fire into a good place. Um, yeah, it was quite scary. Like it was really, really scary, and and uh, with COVID. But then I guess um, what we found out fairly quickly was Zoom started to work in our favour really fast because you didn't have to drive to clients. Yeah, so but- suddenly I was having eight, nine meetings a day instead of two or three meetings a day, and I could have them abroad. Yeah, so like. We got in front of the CMO of Shoe through an email um, uh, um, introduction. That wouldn't have happened in yeah. the old days because there would have been meeting rooms and they have to set time aside and corral a whole team. And suddenly it, it, these things happen. It did take time, but yeah. but it happened. Absolutely. And, so, and um, In hindsight, when we reflect on what happened over the last couple of years, 
in certain industries, there's been multiple advantages yeah. as a result because guys like you and me are running businesses completely differently. Mm. And it costs less to run the business as a result yeah. of exactly what you just said. Um, but explain to me what the journey was or the trajectory in terms of getting from travel into Shopbox. Was that a, were you thinking about that for 10 years or was it just a... Well, yeah, so it was kind of interesting for me. So I've worked across loads of sectors. Most of my work life, the, the longest job I had was working for a company that was a pure AI company. So before AI became, as we all know, like these things have their time, but they always exist for a long time before. So the types of things we do today were much more difficult back in the day, but we were doing them. But we were doing them across all sectors. So I worked in everything from financial services through, um, for my sins, the odd time in public sector, try to avoid that too much, but a lot in retail, fair bit in travel. And then I kind of got to a point where I wanted to go into the startup world and I started working for a travel startup, which was really interesting because it allowed you to take the tech and but still be at the front end where you were actually affecting customers directly rather than it was just about technology and somebody else affected customers. We had to be responsible for everything. But can I also say, I, I have a, I just, I don't know, I'm interested in, in the travel industry. Yeah. But, so I'm, I kind of have my eye on it all the time. It's very fast moving. Yeah. And it's very complex and so, very interesting. Like It's a massively interesting yeah. business. But what we found is, um, I actually, I'd forgotten. I started my career in the travel industry. and uh, But when I went back into it, I found it really interesting. But here, here's the problem. It's really complex and the relationships between people are very complex. So the relationship between the technology, the people who are selling the tickets, the people who are fulfilling... It is really difficult to navigate from somebody selling into that industry. So, but when we looked at the, what we were trying to do in Shopbox, retail was very obvious and travel was really obvious. And then as I did, the more research I did, the more I realized I wanted to go back into retail. Because I think for me, one thing I love about retail is everybody in retail knows everything about retail. Okay, in other industries, people tend to specialize very quickly and they don't actually know each other's areas. Whereas there's no retail owner who doesn't know everything that's going on in every shelf. They don't, they know exactly what they've spent on what. But I, w- I would challenge that though. And I actually think that some retailers know too much. Potentially and, and get stuck you know, in the weeds they, a bit. Oh, they, they know what time <laughs> the truck is arriving with that garden yeah. furniture and they're just focused on everything rather than focused on running the business. That's very true. Actually, to be honest, that, that is very true. And that can be a distraction, but I'd prefer that to talking to people who actually don't know each other's disciplines at all. That's a fair point. You know, so, and I think um, the other thing is you have to think a bit like them as well because you've got to realise that most retailers know nothing about what I do. They don't know AI. That's not what they They wouldn't have become retailers if that's where they started their careers. So they know about merchandising and they know how product works and they know how customer works. So a lot of what we have to do is try and bring that alive and say, okay, there's this, there's this thing that exists that's going to help you. And you don't really understand what it's doing under the covers. So we have to bring that alive for them and make sure that what it does under the covers is appropriate for them. And that's where it's really exciting in, in retail. Yeah. Um, you know, you make bad decisions in retail, you suffer. That is true. And um, I mean, my comment wasn't entirely correct either. I mean, at the end of the day, if you run a retail business, you, you need to know absolutely every last yeah. detail. Yeah. Because it all boils down to margin. And Always. you get product in, you have to sell it. Yeah. So your point is very valid, though. Mm. A lot of retailers, they, they understand the breadth of the business. Yeah. And the person that's looking after purchasing understands exactly what the customer service agents have to put up with or have to deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. So that's valid. Um, explain to the listeners exactly what Shopbox AI is. Uh, okay, so um, the reason we're in business is to increase sales for our retailers. That's it. 
Okay, and, and generally what we mean is more sales and higher value sales, so average order value. The way that we work and what we're trying to do that's very different is if you think about the experience when you go to Amazon, you feel Amazon knows you. Now, now think about what Amazon is doing there. They're taking hundreds of millions of products and hundreds of millions of customers and finding 20 or 30 things that are really interesting to you. Okay, that's a very complex problem. But the effect is they reckon about 35% of their revenue is driven by that. Okay. Amazon is never going to tell you that, but that's what the analysts think. Um, that's what they're calculating. So we're trying to do the same thing for other retailers. So we looked at the industry and we realized that nobody was really trying to challenge the depth of what Amazon does. So I said, well, somebody should do it. And the more I looked at it, one, well, if nobody else is doing it, I might as well do it. So within Shopbox, we're trying to take those sorts of capabilities to any retailer. So our largest retailer and our smallest retailer. So our largest at the moment is Shoe. Um, in the UK, uh, which is a great brand for us to have after just... So, so for our international listeners, explain exactly what Shoe do. So Shoe are, are, are uh, a high street um, shoe retailer, uh, spelt S-C-H-U-H, the German spelling, even though it's a Scottish company. Uh, but they're, they're one of the main shoe retailers in the UK. So they would be on absolutely every high street. Also very prevalent in Ireland, big business in Ireland. Um, they're also in Germany and, and a couple of other countries in, in Europe, but mainly UK and Ireland. Um, but they would be seen as extremely brand aware, extremely brand focused, very customer service orientated. So you don't go into shoe and get bad service. Everybody knows everything about every shoe. They're trying to get a long-term relationship with all their customers. That's really fundamental to them. But shoe are running the same technology from us as a startup retailer is and everyone in between. And, and that's really important for us because, you know, I spent a long time in the technology industry and what I found was... Um, Large companies get to have really cool stuff that's very expensive and makes them a fortune and small companies don't. And I don't think that's the way it should work. I wanted to level the playing field. Um, so that's why I believe that there's no reason Amazon's technology can't be available to everyone. We just got to put the effort in and make it easy for people to consume. So if I was to phrase that differently, you're, you want to provide enterprise grade solutions and software to small business and medium business. And of course, you also want enterprise business. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So when I met you first, mm. essentially you were a search tool, right? So has the product evolved or is it divided in two? Is AI personalization part of it or is, is search very much still a core to the product? Um, I, I would say we're not really search. We're, we're looking at search very seriously, but we're, we're different to what people would expect on a website from search. So we're trying to change the experience. So we have things, for instance, like an AI shop assistant that can allow people to find product rather than search product. So here's the problem with search. When we looked at the behavior around e-commerce, too much is controlled by Google. The problem is the customers are spending their time in search. They eventually decide they like a particular product and that's when they spend time in the source. So they're, they're in a pricing game rather than a shopping game. Okay, if you look at high street retail, it's about once you get them in the store, you keep them in there and you make it about that experience. But we haven't really done that well in e-commerce because... The, the received wisdom was if we build it, they will come. And what we found out was everybody else built one too. Okay. So our job is really to change the experience in the online store to be more like a, a, a high street store. So we have components that don't behave anything like search. They're there to say, if you're looking over there, here's some stuff that might interest you. Just try and bring them into categories they may not have thought about. To try and bring them deeper into categories they're thinking about often for more expensive products. 
um, and to try and match them up with products. So I'll give you a really simple example. Nearly every e-commerce site has a search, uh, has, has a sale page. Okay, sale page is what I would call a bargain basement to a large degree. It's a random collection of products that might be of interest to some customers. Customers like them, though. They don't like the experience, but they like having promotions. So what we do is, as customers are just going about their normal business, we go and we find sale products and put them in front of the customer at appropriate times instead of waiting for them to go into a bargain basement. So instead of them seeing the 500 products on offer, they see the two or three or five or six that are really relevant to them. Okay, But they stumble across them. They don't go looking for them. So it's a much more fluid experience, a much more organic experience, like as if they were in a normal store. And... Does that only work with e-commerce stores that have a base level? Is it 15,000 SKUs? Is it 1,000 SKUs? Yeah, we tend to go for about 3, 000, uh, 300 SKUs. Sorry, 300. 300. Um, variety is our friend to a large degree. Um, and we do work with people who have less because they're interested in the service side of it. So especially people who have a bricks and mortar side of things, you know, when they're omni-channel, a lot of it is about service. They actually, the e-commerce is to bring customers into the store. So we do have a few of those, but in general, we want a fair bit of variety in a, in a catalogue. Um, we do work with a couple of DTCs, but um, but generally they have fairly wide catalogues. So, okay. You know, um, but most of them will be multi-brand. Okay. So in general then, because obviously AI is, you're passionate about it. Hmm. If I'm running a successful e-commerce store, you know, what are the benefits of AI? And, and that's a very that, that's a very big question. But if you can break it down to to yeah, exactly I, what the service that you're providing, uh, yeah, absolutely. So what AI can do is understand a customer at a very fundamental level. Okay, so it can understand a lot of complexity about what's happening with the customer. So I can, and the retailer doesn't really need to get involved in this. The engine is there to figure out things like this is somebody who's interested in one brand. This is somebody who's interested in multiple brands. This is somebody who's open to being stretched price-wise, this is somebody who just needs something quick and who needs to get out the door. Those sorts of things are nearly impossible for somebody to define. How, how would you understand that? But the AI can understand that. But actually, let's just take it a slightly different angle. We've been doing a lot of discussions internally around what scares people about AI. So this is one of the, the fundamental differences in the way we've developed the product versus some other things. So retail isn't all about customer. Okay, we still got to get product to customer. We still have to make some margin because if we don't, we're not going to be in business next week. Um, we still have long tail product that we we need to try and get at the highest margin. We have product we need to get rid of. We have drop ship versus our own stock. All these things are things we think about all day and we need to maximize everything. We can't try and increase our margins. So the way we've developed the AI is a balance between the merchandiser and the customer. So we understand customer and we understand what customers are interested in We've got to find products that are going to make a profit for the retailer at the end of the day. Like the easiest decision in the world is just sell everything at cost and loads of people will buy it. But unfortunately, that's not good business. So so that balance is what AI can really do. Okay, so explain to me the mechanics then of the setup. So I'm a retailer and I have a successful business and the SKUs are just increasing yeah. At, a, at a rapid rate. Yeah. And the e-commerce team, they don't know how to merchandise or automatically merchandise the store. Right? Yeah. They don't have me to talk to or they don't have another agency to talk to who could advise them on that. Yeah. How easy is Shopbox to set up? Yeah. So that's a huge advantage for us. The okay. one thing that we concentrated on from day one is this has got to be a switch on system. When I was doing my research, I talked to... Um, to Shop Direct, so I got introduced to some very senior people in Shop Direct, and, and they said three things to me. 
one of which I'll tell you about the other two. We keep secret, they're in the secret sauce. Got to have some secret sauce. Uh, but the first thing they said is, don't say the word IT or you have to leave. And I said, that's fine. We're already ahead on that. We yeah. don't want to be in that game. Yeah. So with Shopbox, the idea is that um, if you've got a Shopify store or, or a, any other e-commerce store, we just need one click to connect into that. We then model everything based on your current product catalog. You, you don't actually change anything you do. You just manage Shopify or whatever platform you were working on um, as you currently do. We see all the changes and we're constantly looking at where the opportunities for product and, and matching that against customers. So everything is fully automated. Now, that's a huge departure. So a lot of um, systems we're replacing, merchandisers need to turn up every day and explain to the system how to manage customers. And that sounds like it'll be okay, but you got to remember every price change affects a customer. So you've got to start moving things around all the time. You've got two, three, 20, 30,000 products that becomes really, really impossible. So the entire process is meant to be fully automated, and that's, that's what we've done with Shopbox. And the other reason that's really important is retail, to a large degree, is about getting new product in front of customers and maximizing margin. Everything else you're trying to drag behind. But if you can't launch new product, it really affects your bottom line. So you can't have a situation where you're trying to launch seasons, you're worried about keeping systems up to date. You just can't do it. And we all know we have problems trying to find good skills right now. And it's not going to get any easier. So we need full automation to do that. So it's a huge thing for us is the fact that... Um, it's a one-click install. It's a one-click install. We tend to be live within five or six days of, of somebody saying they want to go live. And um, yeah, and then they need, never need to touch it again. Perfect. Thanks, Alan. Just one second and we will listen to our sponsors. Rewind.io is the leading data backup solution for your Shopify store. Did you know that there is no way of recovering lost data in Shopify? If your store is gaining traction, you may have multiple staff or third-party developers entering your store. Mistakes can happen and data can be easily deleted. Rewind.io puts you in control of your data, allowing you to restore anything accidentally lost from a single image to an entire store. It acts as a pretty cheap insurance policy for your Shopify account. At Milkbottle, we help clients reduce their business risk by installing Rewind in every single store before we make any changes. Get your first month for free by simply replying to your sign-up email. So one-click install, after it's installed, do you provide a complex dashboard of data for the client? Like what's the customer experience? If, that, if, if your yeah. service is in, in a, a seven-figure store with 30,000 SKUs, yeah. what is the customer experience then for the e-commerce manager? A month in, what do they see? Yeah, so they see full dashboard of daily figures of what's, how Shopbox is affecting their business, what it's doing for conversions, for average order values, how many sales are going through it, all that good stuff. But the other thing that's even more important for me is our customer success is fundamental to our product. So it's, it's um, I actually did an interview last week where somebody was asking me about what's the biggest lesson you've learned since you set up the business. Customer success is part of your product when you're in a SaaS business. It's not an add-on to your product. So we will meet customers Generally, every three or four weeks, we'll sit down with customers. We take them through that dashboard. So it's not just about them interpreting it day in, day out, but we're starting to find patterns in there that we can explain to them. And also we bring, we, we try out a lot of things on customers and then we bring them back to every other retailer. So separate to the software and separate yeah. to its success and separate to the improvement in the customer experience, you could probably end up knowing more about a customer's online infrastructure and business and kind of trends than the customer themselves, because you can see the raw data. Is, is that logical? Or 
You can, yeah, add, you can yeah. add value is what I mean. Outside Absolute, of just, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But it, what's really important for us is our job is to, is to help customers inside their store. So none, no data ever makes it from one store to another. Mm. And that's a fundamental difference oh, between yeah. the way we think and, and the likes of Google. And yeah. I, 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 philosophically for me, I would never allow that to happen. Um, regardless of GDPR or not. Yeah. That's a very um, important point, by the way. It's that, really, so, so really no, fundamental. You're not important. aggregating the data and, and no, sharing, it, no. sharing it. Yeah, Under no circumstances. What we will do is we get ideas from people and we'll make sure everyone gets to benefit from them. So we A, B test stuff and we say, this is work, you know, A is working better than B. Right, let's explain that to the other retailers and yeah, say, yeah. we try this out. So, yeah. so they get to benefit from each other. And I think that is really important because at the end of the day, when they benefit from each other, their customers get more benefit from it. Everybody wins. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but the data is staying within the store is really, really important yeah, to us. That's a good point. Um, yeah. You mentioned that you started just at the start of, of COVID. Um, usually I don't mention COVID, but it's, it's important here because one of the it questions... It is going to date the podcast slightly. No, but anyway. no it's not at all. It's a, uh, For the record, we were recording this on what date is it today? February the 3rd? <laughs> 2023, not 2022. Yeah. Um, you're discussing it now retrospectively. Before we press record, you've got clients yeah. in the UK. It's your focus. And uh, it's a great story. And I go back yeah. to my original introduction where I mentioned it, it. It is really enjoyable to listen to somebody talk about, you know, an Irish success story. Yeah. And you're, you're tackling a, a big area and a big issue and a complicated topic yeah. um, from Dublin, which is great. Um, in terms of the business, mm. you know, how has your growth been to date? You know, are you happy with that? You're heading for your third year. How, yeah. how has it been? It's been great. So, and um, you know yourself as a business owner, you're never happy with your growth. If you're happy with your growth, like that's, you know. Something wrong. There's something seriously well, I, wrong at that I, stage. I have a slightly different attitude. I think people should just be happy with with the way things are, you know. Not, not yeah. necessarily be constantly obsessed with, you know, uh, growth, growth, growth. And you can see what's happening in the States. I mean, the, yeah. reason, the reason people are being let go is because of, you know, uh, aggressive CEOs and people just looking at spreadsheets. I mean, they hired and they made mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, we might come back to that point, actually, because I, I do have it. I will actually, let's cover one thing there is, yeah. like, I've seen this, because we've got so many uh, um, huge companies here in Dublin who are tech companies, and what they did is they hired to stop each other getting yeah. talent, yeah. which sucks talent out of the market, yeah. which is not a good place to I, be. I, I actually think that's disgusting. Yeah, I and completely the, the, agree. the irony is, is that, um, I won't go on a rant here, the <laughs> irony is, is that the companies that are announcing two and 500 redundancies, yeah. they're also hot, they also have jobs advertised for 300 people. Oh yeah. Like, it, it's a bit of a black art. Like, people are going in one door and people are going out the other and the media is giving you only one story. Oh, like, you know, the, the negative, bad story about letting people go, when in actual fact, most of these companies are hiring. That's exactly it. And in actual fact, I heard uh, that Facebook have let go enough people to be back to 2021 levels. So it's an adjustment from over-hiring so that Google couldn't get the talent. Yeah. You know, so it's, yeah. it, they're in a different game. And I, Now, the problem is it sucks talent out of the market. It does. But, but you made an even more important point there when you mentioned that they're, they were hiring so that you couldn't, guys like Alan Gormley and Shopbox couldn't hire. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're, they're, they're creating an artificial market. But here's the thing. It's probably about five years ago where I started to get very frustrated data scientists come in for interviews. And when you ask them, so what's your experience? You realize they weren't doing very much. So they're hiring people, but they're not using them very well. So you've got young talent coming out of universities and they're not actually getting trained properly by some of these companies. 
Um, as opposed to the old days where they worked hard and they le- really learned their trade very well. So you probably have people coming out of Facebook now with three or four years experience, but it doesn't feel like they have three or four years experience. And they were probably overpaid. They were massively overpaid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, the, the original question was, uh, when you look back to 2020 oh, yeah. and you're, yeah. you're heading for your third year, Yeah. Um, are you happy with the growth? Like, uh, yeah, let, yeah. Me, let me rephrase the question. Any surprises? Um... In that, Not, in that time? Uh, probably, like, if I go back three years ago, I probably wouldn't recognise where I am at all. So that's, but that's, that's par for the course. Yeah. I think what's been really interesting is every three or four months, you can start to see a change in the business that then opens up other stuff. And, and you're, on that, you're on that cadence all the time. I think now we're at a very serious inflection point. So we're over 50 customers now, which is a fantastic place for us to be. Well done. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely thrilled with it. Thank you very much. And um, we've had... Fantastic support the whole way through. Now we're really focused on the UK as our, I would say, front and centre. That's the market we're absolutely focused on right now. Um, we're building some really good relationships in there. We've got some very good customers already. Um, so I mentioned Shoe, we got Kit Locker and, and, and a handful of others. And we're building good relationships with people who are experts in retail or, or in e-commerce. Um, and we're starting to open up. We're having first conversations in the US and Middle East as well. So... Um, early days, but all to play for. Um, just hired the first person who'll be 100% focused on the UK and hopefully a second person next week. Um, but yeah, so it's really exciting. It's it's a great place to, to be. Alan, there was a statistic released, it was probably three or four years ago, mm. where the majority of Shopify stores, now you are platform agnostic, you can, you work with any platform, but the yeah. majority of Shopify stores had 16 apps installed. Yeah. Okay. And when you install an app on a store, one of the first things that Miltbottle does, if we, if we board a client, even with an existing client, we go in usually three times a year and we do an app audit. Yeah. And um, people will install apps and we call them takeover apps where they're just soaking the data and using the data for yeah. other purposes, which is, which is wrong. And there's also apps then that cost money and, you know, there's no point in spending money when if you don't need an app and it's costing money, you shouldn't really have yeah. it in the store. So we help with that. But there's also big competition. You know, if you have a, a decent automated email platform that's, you know, taking credit and for, for revenue, it gets expensive as your customers rise. Yeah. You've obviously got, you've got platform costs, you've got staff costs. So there's big competition for, for services. Yeah. And you're in that, you're in that space. Um, although I don't, I wouldn't class Shopbox as an app per se, but app is yeah. a broad word within the Shopify community. Yeah. So how do you sell that to the customer then in terms of uplift, in terms of return on investment? Yeah. What is the benefit that your service will give a, a busy online store? Typically what we see is when people, our, our job is to help their customers. And we typically see between 20 and 30, usually around 30% of people will engage with Shopbox. The other 70 already know what they want. That's absolutely fine. So our job is not to get in the way. Our job is to be helpful to people, to nudge them on. Um, That 30% of people will generally convert at three times the rate of everybody else. Okay, so it's a very, very big uplift. We get people very deep into the store. So typically we're seeing people will spend five times longer in the store. And that's when you know you're changing behavior. Okay, so it's all very well talking about revenue uplift, but that has to come from a behavior change. So that behavior change is, fundam- is fundamentally what's driving it. The other thing is um, a lot of people think of e-commerce as a dive to the bottom from a price perspective. It really isn't. People, if you are so focused on just putting a single product in front of a customer, the perfect product, that's all it is, is a dive to the bottom because you're in competition for that product. But what we find is average order values go up 
when you allow people to stumble across things that are close but slightly different to what they're looking at. People actually will want a better product, but we're not allowing them to stumble across them. Instead, we're giving them search engines that take them to a conclusion instead of allowing them to shop. So we see a lot of uh, stretch in average order value, anywhere between 10 and, four, and 35% is what we've seen. The other thing, Alan, to be very, I think this is really important, even in, when I asked that question, I, I, I kind of thought it was, it was actually a bit of a wrong question because mm. the return on investment of some services in e-commerce is not necessarily a, a rise in sales. Yeah. It could be a reduction in customer support queries into the chat box. Yeah. Like there's loads of ways of measuring the success. Like, and you've, you're well aware of that. Yeah. So one of the things that we know we're driving and it's, it's very difficult to measure is we're having a, an effect on ROAS where we're converting the traffic they've paid for much better. Now, it doesn't reduce their advertising costs because they're still going to spend that money. Yeah. But they're spending it more on bringing in new people rather than keeping the current customers engaged. We're doing that for them. So there's a, there's a knock-on effect that you're getting in a lot of different places. Same thing with customer loyalty. There's a, a pharmacy we're on, and this just came up uh, uh, last week. We interviewed them for a case study we're producing. Uh, so they're very happy with what they're doing. They're doing a case study. And he just said, I've been looking at Hotjar and we can see people moving to parts of the page they never moved to before because Shopbox is there. So that, that behaviour change is really interesting for them because it's just getting the brand deeper in the customer's mind as well. Something occurred to me there. In your experience, do you find a challenge where you install a service, people expect a return, but then, like you mentioned Hotjar, I mean, people have to invest time to watch those yeah. videos. And very often they don't. Yeah. And they just... People, I think it's, you know, in the last few years, just expect to install something, get the return, read a report, and then that's it. But in yeah. actual fact, that customer has to spend hours of time reviewing those videos. Yeah, like we see that all over the place. It's one of the reasons customer success is so important for us, because it just takes the time out, 20 minutes, half an hour, to have a good discussion about what's happening and allows them to focus on that, and then they can ignore and move on. Yeah. Because they're too busy. Yeah. Nobody has time to watch all those videos. That's true, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm guilty myself. I, I'm using transcription software at the moment. I think I'll never listen to any of it again. Yeah. When am I going to get time? You yeah. Know? So it's the same yeah. thing. That time is precious. Um, yeah. Look, I've really enjoyed, re really, really enjoyed the interview. Um, before we go, anything exciting for 2023? Yeah, so we've got loads of stuff we're working on. Uh, we've made some major breakthroughs on the AI side that's going to allow us to do some really cool stuff. So uh, watch the space for that. That's probably going to be H2 before we have it out because um, the guys started working on it Q4 last year. Um, so technology-wise, we're, we're going to be making some big leaps forward. Um, and then, as I said, focus on the UK. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, our job now is to get our stuff in front of as many people as possible. Um, the technology makes it easy. Now it's our job to get in front of them so they yeah. can make it easy. That's simple. Good. Well, listen, uh, genuinely the best of luck. Thank you very much, Always Pete. a pleasure to... to uh, we, we, both of us always have a coffee in our hand when we meet. Um, uh, re, it's, it's, uh, and I'll close out by just repeating myself. It's really nice to talk to an Irish-based software company that's, you know, looking abroad. So um, Absolutely. And yeah. like yourself. Well, um, yeah, no, absolute pleasure to come in and uh, good fun talking to you. Great. Listen, the best of luck. Thanks very much, Keith. Thank you. Thanks for listening. All of our episodes are available on Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcasts.
A special note of appreciation goes to our sponsors, Rewind.io, the leading backup solution for Shopify store owners. Get your first month of Rewind for free by simply responding to any welcome email once you sign up for your free trial on Rewind.io. If you're a Shopify user with an exciting story to tell, reach out to the team on podcast at milkbottlelabs.com. Until the next time, take care.